Previously on Milkshakes and Mimosas, Andrew chastised Jason and Valeska for getting too thirsty over voluminous historic mustaches. By all rights, that school should be shut down. Instead, I'm told there are over a hundred students enrolled. What do you care, Mr. Lodge? You got what you wanted. Riverdale doesn't even exist since you unincorporated it. Reggie, a high school offers hope. And people are sentimental about Riverdale High for reasons that elude me. As long as it remains open, there's a slight chance that the town will grow back around it. Like a weed. And that is bad for our business. One and two and three and four. There's murder and intrigue. But the kids of Riverdale are gonna be just fine, just fine, just, just fine. There's Jughead and Betty. And Dad's a serial killer serving some jail time. Jail time, jail, jail time. We got milkshakes at Pops and mimosas at Veronica's. Yeah, the kids of Riverdale are gonna solve some crime. Some crime, some, some crime. Cause the kids of Riverdale are gonna still be fine Maybe damage, damn, damn, damn Sit right down, you're gonna have a real good time With Team Cheryl Who's Archie? Hello and welcome to Milkshakes and Mimosas, the Riverdale comedy podcast where you never quite know who the host is gonna be I'm Valeska. Andrew is not here because he was so overcome with joy over the Riverdale time leap that he just had to take a couple weeks off to kind of recover and recenter himself. So he's going to be off doing yoga. We're going to be here talking about Riverdale. With me, as always, is our beloved host, Jason. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. I am so overwhelmed with emotion thinking about what this week might have in store for us since I have never seen an episode of Riverdale and never <laughs> will. So I am, you know, um, I'm ready for this journey. My mind, body, and spirit are prepared to go. Mind, on. body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, only my mind is ready. My body and spirit are not at all ready for this. But uh, we also have with us Alex, who is our most popular guest of this season of Riverdale on Milkshakes. So congratulations to you. Um, You're also our only guest that we've had for this season. But hey, (laughs) take what you can get, right? That's right. I'm the most popular and least popular at the same time. It's, you know, it's how I am with my wife. I'm her favorite husband and also her least favorite husband. That's a great dynamic. I thought I think so. Yeah. So let's dive into it. Um, So this episode starts with um, a little peek into a little slice of life. We see some characters getting ready for their first day at school as teachers who aren't really teachers because they're not qualified. But hey, we'll just ignore that for Riverdale's sake. So Jughead is living with Archie and they chat about how it's the night before school, feeling a little bit of nerves. Jughead's reading of Mice and Men. Then uh, we cut to Kevin and uh, Tony getting ready for school the next day. Is anybody qualified for anything at Riverdale? That's really the question. Um, I mean, technically, Archie is qualified to run the RROTC from, you know, being in Canada, I, I know what the ROTC is. I don't know <clears throat> too much about it, but I know that 
seemingly a war veteran hero is the most qualified to be teaching ROTC from what I know about it. Well, 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 ROTC is, and I'm an American, and I'm a veteran, right? So I'm going to, I can speak on this, right? And I can speak on it um, negatively. Um, ROTC is typically (laughs) full of, uh, yeah, you can't say shit. You can't say shit. I'll kneel for the flag, all right? Um, I, uh, <laughs> um, ROTC is typically filled with a bunch of kids who are, you know, trying to get out of class and just trying to get credits. And they're intending on being commissioned officers, which means when they go in the military, they don't do a fucking goddamn thing and they don't risk their lives, all right? Well, Archie says that they're going to be talking about, like, basically just military history. Is that the extent of ROTC or? Yeah, I mean, it's basically like a high school program that, you know, um, is designed to brainwash kids to um, view um, the imperialistic uh, United States military as something um, other than what it is, which is a tool of oppression, you know? So, yes. In short, yes. Well, I think Archie's going to do a great job at this. <laughs> He's going to punch his way um He's going to punch propaganda right into their fucking heads is what he's going to do. So the uh, she-wolf of Wall Street, Veronica, is teaching economics. And uh, her classroom is a little overly full because a lot of students are auditing just to look at her. So that's fun. Yeah, which was like a joke. I, 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 I've never heard anybody in high school use the term auditing before. But I, because like, they don't I, do that in high school. No, it, it's, <laughs> it's so absurd. But I, one thing I just wanted to jump back to when they are coming into school, I don't know how much you guys are fans of um, amazingly bad, cheesy 80s musicals. Um, but when all the kids are going back to school, the song that they are playing when all the kids are coming in to start their day is the Four Tops Back to School, the song that opens Grease 2. <laughs> oh, I didn't make that connection. That is amazing. Is, is that intentional? As, I'm sure it is. Oh, a hundred, given what I've seen from other stuff, especially when they use the Dokken song in um, the, the, the Dream Warriors song, mm-hmm. like, it is so intentional. And what I know about, um, what is it? Well, we know R-A-F? Riverdale loves musicals as well. Yeah. Especially sometimes cheesy, silly musicals um, or things that aren't musicals, but they decide to make musicals. Um, but I I almost fell off my couch just hearing that song because I have seen Grease 2 more times than I'd uh, care to admit. <laughs> and uh, I I love that opening number. It's, it's, it's a great song. So when they were playing it with all the kids coming back to school, I was, uh, I was giddy. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Okay, I'm sorry, but I am going to make you admit it on the air. How many times have you seen <laughs> Grease 2? Ooh, uh, I've Give seen... Give me a ballpark. I would say between five and ten times, which is more than I can... Like, I've never seen Casablanca, but I've seen Grease 2, you know, more times than I can count on one hand, so... I honestly thought a... you were going to say 25. <laughs> so I'm impressed by your restraints, to be fair. <laughs> I... The, it was it was one of the later tapes to be added to our collection. I watched Grease. I've I've seen that, you know, at least at least 30 times like Grease. Like I watched that every day when I was a kid cuz any movie that opened with a cartoon opening credits became my favorite movie. So I watched Grease so much, but Grease 2 was a tape that got added to our uh collection later and by that time I I had already amassed so many other movies that it it just 
it, it still was in high rotation, just not as high as those ones I watched as a kid. I respect that. Uh, so, Jason, we learned that Betty is not, in fact, teaching um, Junior Junior FBI Academy. She's what? teaching shop class, which is awesome. That is kind of odd. Well, can, can we go back one step? I don't know. The auditing? Like, the reference auditing? What does that mean? Like... That they're just they're sitting in on the class for um, educational reasons, oh, okay. but okay. they're really sitting in to look at Veronica, who looks great, to be fair. Yeah. But I thought maybe there was some Scientology shit going on inside Riverdale <laughs> School, you know? Uh, that's season six. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, fair enough. Go ahead. Uh, Betty's students are unfortunately more interested in learning about the Black Hood than cars, but I can't really blame them for that. <laughs> and uh, guess what, Jug has teaching. I'm sure English. Yep. Fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently there are over 100 students at Riverdale High. We know this because Hiram tells us in our first Riverdale Masterpiece Theater, which is what actually opened the episode. So I, does a high school really offer hope? That's my question. Uh, um, in, a, in a town that only has a... Pop's Chocolate Shop, um, a now defunct Blue Velvet video, a high school, and a sex bump bunker. I mean, if you had to pick one of those buildings to offer hope, I think it would have to be the high school, right? Oh, it, w it wouldn't be the, the video store that sold snuff films that doesn't represent hope? <laughs> well, I mean, it's now closed, so even Fair if enough. that was the source of hope. Yeah, maybe the source of hope is that closing. My source of hope is Jelly Bean. Who's going to um, grow up to be a one? She's in year. Ohio now, though, yeah. isn't she? Oh, yeah, that's true. So that's true. she'll return. Don't worry, she's coming back. So the default hope is Riverdale High, unfortunately. Pretty thin. Um, speaking of Blue Velvet Video, Veronica brings Smithers to the remains of it, and she is planning to renovate it into a, a jewelry store, a high-end jewelry store, because she wants to be an uncut gem again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, who doesn't? Honestly, you know, who doesn't? I mean, if I had to pick one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Is so she... Smithers wants to know if uh, Chadwick's getting a piece of that particular pie, and she's not sure yet. So I think that's a conversation we're going to have to, like, return to later on. Hmm. Well, um, how do you think that's going to play out exactly? If, if you think it's coming back, what, what, how, what's the outcome of that? Of her opening the jewelry store? Yeah. I mean, I feel like she mentions that it's um, very conveniently located next to Sodale, and apparently that's, like, super bougie, so maybe she'll find some customers, maybe she won't. Mm, we'll bring, find out. Bringing some wealth into Riverdale, maybe? I mean, maybe. She's, like, the richest person there, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, if anything, they're trying to set up a real Uncut Gems, like, people locked in this jewelry store high tension, like a really intense scene that I think they're definitely, they, they're, this show is nothing if not homages the show. So if, if they can set up this jewelry store that's in this town that is falling apart with gangs and evil truckers and all this stuff that's going on, like it's, it's, it's rife for a, a showdown at, at a diamond store. She spent, she's uh, bet her entire life savings on the, the 2011 Boston Celtics. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, yeah. I'm saying the pop's going to be the gambler. Oh, shit. He's going to be locked in there with her. Oh. Ooh. Because he no longer owns pops, right? Maybe he wants to buy it back from Tabitha. Mm, 
That's how he's going to do it. He's going to bet his life savings. I mean, you write for the show. Yeah. You tell me. Hey, listen, I'm asking. Uh, this is how I get my ideas. All right. I'm plagiarizing <laughs> from what you guys well, are saying. All right. If if you're getting ideas the same way Archie writers do uh, from the comics, sometimes every plot that doesn't revolve around the kids and the high school revolves around pop tates. So for pop to mm -hmm. become a central part, especially with the story that uh, Valeska and I are going to be telling you about in a bit, Jason, which I can't wait for Andrew to be back to talk. Like, I, I don't want to say cryptid talk, but you're, you're going to love what, um, what we find out is going to be. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, I, yeah. I mean, you know, I knew that because I wrote the show. You know what I mean? You're not surprising oh, that's true. me with anything. That's true. Um, but I, I have it's... so many questions about the cryptid thing we're going to talk about, though. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about cryptids. Um, yeah, and, and as you know, um, I'm a writer for Riverdale, so I'm creatively bankrupt. So, you know, <laughs> I got to get my information from somewhere. You know. So speaking of creatively bankrupt, we have to go on to the next scene. Archie and Betty are debriefing after day one of quote-unquote teaching. And Betty is worried about Polly, and Archie wants to distract her with his dick. Yep. So they're trying to figure out where they're going to go hook up. Neither of their houses are reasonable options. Where are they going to go, Jason? I mean, I think the logical the logical choice would be the sex bunker, right? You are incorrect, and I what? just wanted to set you up to fail. You motherfucker. But we'll get back to that in a second. How dare you. First, we're going to go to Pops. Uh, Jughead wants to interview Tabitha for his book, and he learns that she left a six-figure job in Chicago to run Pops. Instead of just investing in the diner, she gave up her job with presumably her benefits and her bonuses, maybe a company car, maybe a travel budget, maybe any number of perks. I don't know so now she is working in pops i don't know if tabitha's heard but there's a pandemic going on probably not the best decision to open a diner that relies on people coming into the building and leaving your sex your six-figure job um with as you said health benefits you know i mean we presume she wants to sell merch and develop a franchising program so she is like gonna apply what she's learned to pop so mm -hmm. i mean good for her i guess it is not a choice i would have made no Nope. I mean, she 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 is uh, all about the Riverdale idea of, you know, like the family business and all that stuff. So I get where they're trying to I get what they're trying to do with her character, but I don't know why they they other than the fact that she wants to franchise and they need to establish like, OK, if she is a smart businesswoman, we need to establish that. But we're going to do that by saying like all the stuff she gave up. Rather than be like, oh, you know, there were some there were some hard times going on at the company and I took the time to step away to come here. Instead, they're like, oh, no, she she ran away from good money to come here to work in garbage. But she's like, well, you know, like it's the family business. I'm like, they really could have teed that up better to not make it seem like she just ran away from something great. But well, you could also maybe it her... has something to do with Jughead, too. Oh. I'm just going to say, I oh. hope that while she was working that six-figure job, she was a saver and not a spender. Yeah. Um, so some high school students walk in, and did Jughead not think that he would see high school students at the diner that is a traditional hangout for high school students? Because he seems very upset about it. Yeah. 
So he has to go over with his menu to uh, serve his students, which is probably super awkward, but it's what he signed up for. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's a sad state of affairs that teachers have to work, you know, two jobs to fucking stay afloat. But, you know, um, I'm sure many teachers, that's probably something teachers can relate to, you know, though. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's them. not a bad storyline. No, I think that's a, I think that's um, admirable, you know. Yeah, my my grade seven science teacher in the summers worked at the uh, one of the local golf courses like she worked in the, the pro shop. So it was weird when I was in that phase of my tweens where I'm like, golf Your is golfing a cool phase? thing. Yep. My my bizarre, <laughs> awkward golfing phase. I love this like... for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was a big garage sailor, I went to a, a garage sale and I got a bag of clubs for like two dollars because it was like some old man who either he had died or they were downsizing or whatever. And it was they were all old clubs. It was like the beginning of, of Happy Gilmore, like, you know, just these old clubs. And I'm like, oh, golf is fun. Like I could I could be into this. Like I'm not I'm not an active sporto, but a, a sport where you stand and then you walk to the next thing and then you stand and you swing. And I'm like. This is a great idea for a sport. I can get I behind mean, this. You don't even have to walk if you have a little cart. That's true. You played golf with a dead man's clubs? Were they haunted? Is that bad luck? <laughs> or good luck? I don't know. It depends on what the ghost thinks. You know? I mean, I've never had a golf phase, so. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I look back on it now and I'm like, what was I doing? But, you know, I was outside. And my parents were happy to see me enjoying a quote unquote sport. So <laughs> they're I like, mean, they're this swinging, is the closest so. we're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, Barchi did not go to the sex bunker. I'm sorry, Jason. They are hooking up in the crest line, which is the car that Betty's students are taking apart. So they're in the shop. Ooh. And it's a good thing that they are because a fire alarm goes off and they figure out that somebody has lit a trash bin on fire in the hallway of the school. Excuse me. Archie spraying his jizz all over this car that fucking the students are working on. That is a sex crime, if you ask me. Oh, like Titanic style. Like the back seat is all foggy and then Betty's hand slams on the window, Titanic style. Oh my mm-hmm. god. I don't yeah. I, those those students um rightfully should be suing the school after I mean they probably Febrezed it after. <laughs> okay. One would hope. Okay. Is that all it takes? <laughs> So the next day, Archie badly lies and said he was night jogging when he heard the alarm. When yes, he's talking specifically to Tony says night jogging. <laughs> Weatherby. That doesn't sound like a fucking lie. I was jogging at night, night jogging. Night jogging, night jogging. It's jogging. a thing I do, night jogging. Nothing weird about it. Uh, he tells him that he saw some Stonewall prep bruisers running off. So they're probably from the Stonewall Stallions. Remember that? Mm-hmm. It's a football team. Oh, shit. Guess who they're sponsored by? Hiram Lodge. Yep. And they do odd jobs for him. Dun, dun, dun. Sheriff Teller says, I can try arresting them, but Hiram will have them out on bail. And I'm like, yes, but would they not still go to trial? I'm not a football <laughs> lawyer, but. A football lawyer? He's um, like, well, they, they can make bail, so I'm not even going to bother. I know you're both arresting. Canadian, but that's not how it works. When you're white and you get bailed out, you never have to go back to prison again. You know? Oh, That's okay. how it works in America. You're a white dude. we learned that the stallions are coached by reggie so archie goes to visit him and he doesn't deny the attempted arson so archie punches him in the jaw (laughs) and offers to give him a beatdown like he's never had and i'm like does he not remember reggie's dad 
So Jughead finds a tip jar left on his desk by students. And I mean, he does need the money. So I say leave it there. Yeah, he, he doesn't even flinch. They, they put it on there to sort of like shame him. And he just takes the money out and puts it in his pocket right in front of these kids. He's like, I mean, well, it was like he's explaining like late stage capitalism to, in America to them. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got to take two jobs. I'm going to put this bill in my pocket, put the change in my other pocket. He's like, listen, motherfuckers, I slept in a gym for like six years. You think you're going to fucking shame me? I'll take every last cent of this. I lived in an abandoned drive-in theater. (laughs) (laughs) He does make them pay, though. He calls for a pop quiz. Oh, shit. Because none of them, seemingly none of them have read of Mice and Men, because he asks if any of them have done their summer reading. Because even though he left it to the last minute, he's sort of peeved that none of them have done it. Um, well, he's only had the job for like two days, to be fair. That's true. That's true. It is a very short book, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's an easy read. Uh, so Veronica is explaining supply and demand to her students and auditing students when Chadwick opens her classroom door with flowers and a cake box and insists on waiting in the back of the class for the rest of the lesson because he is the most inappropriate person on the show. Yeah, that's very awkward. And that, oh man, that is a high bar, you know, to be the most inappropriate person on Riverdale. Well, who would you say is the most inappropriate? No, no, I'm not saying I have no idea. I've never seen the show. Um, <laughs> I would say I would say um, I'm just saying I'm not doubting it. I'm just saying that's a really high bar to reach to. I'm. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I mean, I mean, I'm into... just saying a lot of red flags with him, which oh my just God. makes me very he uncomfortable. Is a stalker, right? This is you essentially in fucking Riverdale, <laughs> right? He, he he is a Chad, right? Like, are we not supposed no, to focus on the Chadwick. fact that? Yes, like he's he's Chadwick. Like they named him Chadwick so that he can be the Chad. And I don't mean the Chad in the way that uh, Tom Green was in Charlie's Angels. No, I like mean... a bougie Chad. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's an alpha, okay? You just yeah. don't understand the ways of the alpha. Yeah. She may be an alpha, but she's a she-wolf, so. True. That's Let's see true. how that goes. Uh, Archie wants to start up the Bulldogs again and find funding for them somehow. Waldo says okay, but he's not going to get any money from the school. So he returns to the teacher's lounge to see Chadwick in there kicking it. And now apparently Veronica is chill with him being there because cupcakes? Sure. Yeah. Um, everyone's going to go to karaoke. Archie looks on suspiciously. Interesting to see how quickly he's able to win everybody over. Like he is charmed. He's charmed Betty. He's charmed uh, Kevin. Like they all seem very... Like... <clears throat> It doesn't seem like they're putting up with him for Veronica's sake. He genuinely seems like a charming guy that has won them over, sort of, when Archie walks into the room. And then you can feel that there's a bit of tension with him towards Archie that we will get to a little later. But it doesn't—it's interesting. Like, he doesn't come off like a complete douche like you would expect, given what we've seen of him before. No, the vibe is very good in that room until Archie walks in. Yeah. So I, 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 I am impressed at how, you know, like when they introduced him as Veronica's husband, I was sort of like, Ugh, like this guy, like, how did he win over Veronica? But he, he is seemingly a very charming guy. Like he, he, he knows how to, to schmooze people. You he know? even agrees to go to karaoke, even though Veronica says that he hates it. So 
He's trying. He's putting in some effort there. I feel like you guys yes. are just being but to what end? by the alpha-ness of Chadwick, you know? I think he's trying um, over right now. I think he's... I feel like they're won over by the cupcakeness of him. Yeah. <laughs> like I I don't know if I'm in love with Chad, but if he brought me a cupcake, I'd be like even hey. banana bread. I, yeah, that's true. I, I fall in love with anyone that brings me a cupcake. It's just you know whoever it is. Yeah. You know. We're putting yeah. that out into the universe, folks. Yeah. Bring me a cupcake. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> so we cut to the hallway, and Tony is asking Betty about Polly, and Tony mentions that some of the serpents, who are now truckers, if you recall, have seen Polly hanging out at a sketchy truck stop off the lonely highway. <laughs> I, I, trackers? Like, what? I don't understand. Who are fucking... They're not trackers. Nobody's a tracker. They're truckers. Did I say trackers? Oh, They're trapper. Trappers? Truckers. Truckers. They drive trucks. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that makes them sort of trackers, right? Because if you drive trucks, you have to, you know, <laughs> stay on track, right? Um. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very strange. Yeah, like Polly's just been missing, and Betty has been concerned about it. And that's when, because Betty was like, oh, I'm so worried about Polly. Nobody's seen her. And that was when Archie's like, yeah, you know, like I can, you know, make you feel better with, 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 uh... with my D. Yeah. But yeah, so she, this is days later since we last saw Polly running from that truck. Um, so yeah, Tony does let Polly know that, or does let Betty know that uh, Polly was at this sketchy truck stop. And um, and she yeah. also mentions that Polly's been meeting up with the truckers by going on to uh, Ned's list. Yeah. Which is, I guess, like the Riverdale Craigslist. Yeah. Ned's list? I fucking can't. Ned with two Ds. Oh, shit. I had the captions on. <laughs> um. So then we cut to Thornhill, and we have our first Cheryl scene, which is very exciting, and uh, also the subject of our next Riverdale a Masterpiece Theater. The thing is, Miss Blossom, the men have been threatening to quit. Under no circumstances, the constant hammering and nails and buzzing of saws is the only thing that quiets my troubled soul. Tell your brutes they'll get their blood money and a bonus for their patience. Now be gone from my sight. So she's having some trouble with her contractors, which is very Cheryl, I think. Um, so after he leaves, Cheryl tells Nana Rose that they are broke and it's time for Operation Goldfinch. What is that? Um, I don't know, but it involves a appraiser being brought in to uh, look at some art. So it looks like our art forgery plotline is heating up, which is very exciting. Mm, okay. And she's going to use that money to pay for the school? Is that the idea, do you think? Um, She's already put money towards the school, but yeah. uh, she does want to finish her reno and then maybe have some fun money, maybe go on a trip. Mm. She just, know. you know, she's she's convinced that she's the new Mrs. Winchester, right? Like she needs to keep this construction going, so Forever. she just needs, yeah, she needs the money to just keep it going, uh -huh. to keep the ghosts away, you know. Yeah, the... but without having to sell any of the maple groves, which we know that she doesn't want to do, even though Hiram has made multiple offers and even brought Reggie over as sort of, you know, his threatening. Uh, capo guy but we know that cheryl does not want to sell any land and would rather get mixed up in the world of art forgery than concede anything to hiram which on the one I hand mean, is sort of you, insane oh for sure fuck yeah. hiram. 
Like, <laughs> I mean, but, art portrait sounds kind of cool. I mean, you're just ri- ripping off other rich assholes. Like, yeah. in in the grand scheme of things, when you look at like, you know, white collar crime, like art portrait is pretty like victimless in the grand scheme of things. I mean, in a way, she's kind of the hero of Riverdale at this point. Has yes. she always been? Well, yes, but mm. I mean now officially. Yeah, I mean, you know, I agree. I mean, art art forgery is like one of those crimes that's almost not a crime. You know what I mean? Like you could just make a whole movie about somebody who's an art forger and root for them, and it's like totally fine. Fuck them. Yep. You know. Ooh, mm-hmm. should we have a Cheryl movie? Can I, you make that happen? Um, my pull in the, the writers' room isn't that big, but I'll see yeah. what I can do. <laughs> Okay, so we cut to Betty's house. We learn that Polly doesn't have a laptop, but she uses a twin's laptop to hook up with her trucker dudes, which is very cool, not at all inappropriate. Um, And we find out the last person she contacted was TruckerBoy69, who I have definitely seen posting on Reddit before. (laughs) I'm sure he was, um, you know, furiously tweeting about fucking Lola Bunny's uh, breast size, you know? Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Do we want to talk about this? <laughs> it's too late. We already have. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, they arranged to meet up the night she disappeared. So Betty sends a message asking to hook up again. And Kevin wants to karaoke while they wait. So we cut to the white worm. Everyone's at a table except for Tabitha and Jug who are playing darts. And that begs the question, who is upstairs running pops if Tabitha's downstairs? Yeah. They literally that... have two employees. Yeah, that is sort of insane because it's not like it's one in the morning or something and Pops is seeming, I I don't know if it's 24 hours, but it's seemingly open late as a diner. It's not like the the restaurant near me that it's, there's the breakfast restaurant and then they close it down and go next door and everybody works at the lunch dinner restaurant. Like it's, it's, it's always, they're both always running. I mean, we know that it's open until at least, like, midnight-ish, because they've definitely gone there after, like, burying bodies and stuff. Doesn't she mention she switched it to 24-hour to cater to truckers and put in the gas pumps, or... Oh, you're right. Yeah, so it seemingly does... Yeah, so it's, like, unmanned. Yeah, I mean, I guess there there could be whoever's working, like, the graveyard shift, uh, because there's no way, like... I, I imagine she works 12-hour days, but if it's open 24 hours, there must be somebody else besides her and Jughead. We just... You know, especially during COVID, it's like, do we really need to hire two other actors or can we just say like, oh, the night people are working? <laughs> like, No, there's just kids in there drinking fucking soda straight out of the tap, you know? Yeah. They're just yeah. robbing it blind. Yeah, exactly. All the yep. merch, the merch shipping came in that day. Now it's all gone. <laughs> yeah. So Tabitha suggests that uh, Jug had write about old man Dreyfus, who lives on and runs a junkyard off of the lonely highway. Apparently, he has stories about the Mothmen. What? Did you hear that, Jason? The Mothmen? The Mothmen. There's more than one? Yep. The Moth... The Moth... You know. The Mothmen. The Mothmen. Yep. The yep. Mothmen. Okay. Okay. I'm assuming um, in the junkyard, um, Archie has fucked in every single one of those abandoned vehicles at one point. Or oh, another. yeah. At least once. That for... is, you know, um, the I'm assuming the junkyard is Archie's sex playground. Is I, Why I haven't think we it's... seen that? We've focused too much on the sex bunker. I want to yeah. see the sex playground now. There's swings. There's all sorts of shit in there. You know what I mean? Monkey bars. 
I'm I'm imagining it's the 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 junkyard where uh, Freddy Krueger's bones were burned. Wasn't that uh, in Dream Warriors? Yeah. Like, it, I, I believe that was at a I believe that was at the junkyard. Yeah, um, she's fucked on Freddy's bones. You know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So back to the karaoke. Veronica sings the song "Shallow" from *A Star Is Born*, and I don't know if you know about the song, but the one thing you do need to know about it is it is a duet, yep. which she has decided to sing alone yep starting with the wrong parts yep doing gaga's part instead of bradley cooper's singing the wrong lyrics and she is still shocked when chad decides to stand up and start singing it with her somehow he had a mic in his lap the whole time which we didn't see he starts singing before she's even done her verse and this is such a mess (laughs) this was my favorite scene because i could not believe that the writer's wrote it so sloppily where yeah she starts singing off because she sings the bradley cooper part at the beginning no she sings gaga's part okay yeah over his verse yeah it's all out of order and she starts it and then she is shocked like the look of bewilderment on her face that somebody joined her for this song that is a duet is i've i i couldn't believe that she committed so hard to acting in this scene I was floored. It was hilarious. It was absurd. And yeah. where did he have the mic hidden? He just I don't know if maybe they brought it over when she was walking up to the stage because it is a wireless mic that, you know, the white worm is. So he just like kind of like made a little like gesture at someone just like uh, come hither with a mic. He thing? must have set it up with, you know, like Tony or Kevin or somebody secretly he's like listen tony i know my wife and she's a fucking idiot she's gonna pick a duet (laughs) when she does i want you to bring a mic over yeah that's love yeah right there knowing your wife is a fucking idiot she's gonna pick (laughs) islands in the stream or um you know um fuck what's what's the meatloaf song um i I will do anything for love but i won't do that no the the duet one um yeah uh, I can uh, picture the video in my head right now. Yeah, let me sleep it. on it. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah anyway. um, Dashboard. Yeah, Paradise uh, by the Dashboard. Paradise by the dashboard yeah. you Veronica's going to pick a song that is clearly a duet, but sing it alone and then be shocked when somebody decides to sing with her. It Chad was loved it so much, he started crying. He's like <laughs> sobbing, which this is a little extra. Amazing. This sounds amazing. I wish I'd seen it, but I never will. No, no, you don't. But uh, that made Veronica very happy because they go home and do it and then wake up very happy the next day. And uh, she says she likes having him there, so he's going to stick around. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. We have to deal with at least another episode of Chadwick. This so. is definitely the truth. That's cool. Killer, right? Oh, my God. That's the note that I put. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. That's right. Okay, Archie needs 11 people to make up a football team, which I'm not a sports person, but I assume that's the right number. So he decides to make the executive decision of making the ROTC half of the new football team without asking them, which seems like an abuse of power, but he's not actually a teacher, so cool. He grabs two more from Jug's class, just waltzes right in as they're watching a film. Yeah, the kids wearing Letterman jackets where it's like, who wants to play a sport? And the kids wearing Letterman jackets put their hand up, and I'm like... Yeah, no fucking shit, because they're wearing Letterman jackets. How did they earn them? They clearly have played a sport at this school. Like, why wouldn't you ask the kids in letter jackets first? But, like, they don't have any other sports at that school. So I'm like, how did they get them? 
Well, that's not true. They have one other sport that Tony may have put the money aside. We haven't gotten okay, there yet. Okay, that's, that's true. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, he does get another player from Betty's class, and it's a girl. Her name is Britta, <gasps> and she is the best. Wow. Yes. Unlike Community's Britta, this Britta is the best. <laughs> well, Community's Britta was good for, like, the first two seasons until they kind of made her a caricature of herself. Yes. But uh, her hardcore. <laughs> um, Jason. You are a teacher at a poorly funded high school. Mm-hmm. You desperately want to start a football team. Yep. Do you, A, secure the funding, or B, ask the kids to join the team first? I get all the kids together first and then find out whether I can actually have a football team or not. Um, because disappointing children is just my life's passion. You are an Archie. Archie tells Tony that he needs $20,000, and she tells him the sports budget money has already been earmarked for something else. Do guidance counselors handle budgeting? I'm very confused. I mean, Tony seems to be wearing a lot of hats at the school because other she's than— she's wearing all the hats. Yeah. What other has than, Weatherby done? Other than Weatherby and Miss Mrs. Bell or Miss Bell, uh, we don't really see anybody else in— the administration do anything and i don't want to say what mrs bell is Ms. Bell doing, is doing too much i'm yes. gonna say that wait we've yeah. seen weatherby do something i haven't um he no, told just... archie that he can go ahead and try to find funding for the football team that that's that's it but apparently tony handles the budgeting not <laughs> yeah. the principal the guidance counselor yeah fucking weatherby so Archie decides to beg Cheryl for some money, and that brings us to our next Riverdale Masterpiece Theater. You need more money from me, you say? Yes, for the football team. Well, I've already done my part for the school, and a great personal cost. Cheryl, I just thought, given the fact that your brother was a bulldog, that you might want to honor him? How dare you play my brothers if you were a Red King card, Archie? Be gone, and never darken the halls of Thornhill again. Leave. Um, I do, I do love the fact that um, Cheryl talks like a Tennessee Williams character, yes. but she doesn't <laughs> deliver it in the way that a Tennessee Williams character would. I don't think that, um, what's her face, Madeline? Uh, Patch? Yeah, I don't think she's a bad actress, but I don't think any director has ever given her like direction like, hey, have you ever seen Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? Like, try and channel some, or have you seen A Streetcar Named Desire? Like, be Blanche, be be that. She just delivers these lines that are clearly written for like a a crazy Southern belle with with such bizarre conviction. It's it, it's it's I crazy. love it though. I but think it's, it's perfect. Darken the halls, though. Why wouldn't she use the actual idiom, which is darken the door? Isn't that the actual idiom? She's a high school student. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, she's not she's anymore. High school teacher. <laughs> no, she she's knows. a high school. Like she is a patron of the high schools. She has yeah. given the money to, I guess, hire non-teachers. Yeah, fair enough. She's she's the producer of the school. You could say, um, Archie. She's right though. Don't fucking bring she up. She is brother. right. Yeah. Don't bring up. Oh, that was a shitty yeah. thing to do. What a stupid thing to do. I'm trying to get funding for this fucking high school, so I'm gonna bring up your brother. Fuck you. Yeah. So we find out the appraiser is coming tomorrow to price Cheryl's paintings. So that's very exciting. You know what else we find out? 
Truckerboy69 has responded. <laughs> so Betty and Kevin are going to stake out the truck stop. I can't believe it. Uh, while they're doing that, Jughead decides to go and uh, visit Old Man Dreyfus and learn some more about these Mothmen he's been hearing so much about. And that's actually our next Riverdale Masterpiece Theater. Oh, about 30, 40 years ago, me and some buddies got hired to dig out the collapsed mine not far off the lonely highway. One night we went to bed, and the next morning when we woke up, one of the guys, Ramos, was missing. We worked the whole day, but Ramos never showed. Until the next morning, when Ramos was back, but Raymond was missing. Ramos told us the Mothman had taken him up in their ship, and now they had Raymond. Did you believe them? Not at first, but the next morning Raymond was back, but Arnold was missing. And sure enough, Raymond said the Mothman had taken him up in their ship. Now, when you say Mothman, are you talking... Aliens, angels, mothmen, call them whatever you like. They live in the woods and caves off the lonely highway. Oh, that was a long one. I mean, we had a lot to, of uh, exposition to cover. I am incredibly impressed we actually got Old Man Dreyfus on the show to do that reading. You know, you sounded wonderful. Oh, the strings I had to pull for that. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we had to tell him that the Mothman was after him. So um, I do love that when Jughead is walking up to the uh, junkyard that he he's taken aback and is shocked at something that does look like an alien, but is a uh, a a statue of. Uh, a, a, a a totem of of a Mothman that has been made from like scrap around the scrapyard, with glowing eyes. Um, I do love a Mothman. Yeah, you guys are. Oh yeah, I'm all about it. It's just it was it, honestly when he was walking up there, it just reminded me of Ernest Scared Stupid, like <laughs> going to the junkyard to talk to the crazy old person about an evil monster. Like I was getting real Ernest vibes. I, I have um... some questions. Well, I so love Mothman... me some cryptids, so I'm really excited mm -hmm. about this. So go ahead, please. Sorry. The Mothmen have a ship, but they also live in the woods and caves. How does that work? Why do they have a ship? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. Uh, it doesn't seem like based on you know, I've never seen this, but I've heard the reading you just did. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going with like the actual Mothmen, Mothman, because it's not really Mothmen. There might be multiple ones, but really the cryptids, the Mothman, right? And sort of could be. I don't, I don't think. I mean, I think it's possible some people believe that uh, Mothman's like an alien, but it's not like something that's like hard written into the mythos, as far as I know about the Mothman. Like the Mothman shows up before. Um, a huge catastrophe is going to take place, right? Mm -hmm. Um, to like warn people potentially, you know, or just drawn to the negative energy as part of that mythos. So, uh, but this is sort of being like, well, you can call them Mothmen, you can call them aliens, you can call them whatever the fuck you want. There's just some shit hanging out in a cave. So who knows what they're talking about, you know? I think. Yeah, but I'm just honestly... saying, like, why would they need a ship? A ship is for travel. If they're living in the woods and caves, then why would they be using a ship as well? I, I think mean, it's it like... got to be something to do with if it if this is going to pay off. It has to be something where they're like 
government guys in hazmat suits that that look like a moth outfit. Like they they <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's going to be an outfit that looks like um Arthur's outfit from The Tick, where it's just like, oh yeah, I guess that's a moth. Like you're you this is actually a government prototype super suit or whatever, but you just happen to look like a moth. Like I have a feeling it's it's going to be some you know, like, oh, they were actually wearing hazmat suits because these guys were working out by uh, by the mines. And because that's the thing, it was a collapsed mine. So it could just be guys wearing like like, you know, like Harry Warden in My Bloody Valentine, like guys wearing full minor outfits with the the lamp on their head. And these guys who are all high from being underground, breathing all this methane gas, they're going crazy and thinking that there's Mothman. But I am interested to see how this is going to play out because, yeah, the whole ship thing is what makes it interesting. Where were they taking guys away in maybe some sort of government vehicle? Maybe it's it has something to do. He specifically mentions that it's it's in the caves off of the lonely highway. So maybe it is something where it's truckers disguised as as moth men and that it's not that they have a ship. It's that they have, you know, shipping containers or weird things that they're keeping guys in. It's it's a bizarre wrinkle to add to this show, but a welcomed wrinkle because, again, I can't wait to hear what Andrew has to say about this when uh, we get to talk to him about uh, about these Mothmen. Well, I want after he's done you, his like spa trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to remind you that next episode is entitled "Fire in the Sky." So, oh boy! So, I feel like that's a tease. I don't oh. think we're gonna get what we want to get from them. <laughs> what do you want to get out of that? For, for, for I want a motherfucking alien abduction. Yeah. <laughs> I still think yes. that is one of the scariest scenes I had ever seen in a movie when I was a kid. Because it's still it was, one of the scariest scenes I've ever it, seen. In a movie. Yeah, it's, it's still insane. terrifying. Yeah, it's like I don't even remember the rest of the movie, but I will never forget that scene. And if you haven't seen the movie, if you look up "Fire in the Sky" on YouTube or whatever, like it'll be the four-minute-long scene that is the thing that stands out the most and it is horrifying and yeah i'm looking forward to whether it's aliens or 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 cave creatures or whatever i want us all to take a moment and imagine that scene but superimpose jughead's face on it (laughs) (laughs) yes db sweetie instead of db sweetie you get fucking jughead getting fucking fired in the sky Okay, so now we cut to the truck stop, and Betty and Kevin are staked out in his truck, and Betty is wearing her FBI jacket because that's the only thing she wears these days, and they're watching women leaving the cabs of the trucks. And then Trucker Boy 69, our hero, arrives, and she takes him in for questioning, and she does the questioning despite the fact that she is way too close to the case. Yes. And really has no jurisdiction. And has no jurisdiction. (laughs) We find out that Polly scored some jingle jangle and reached out to Mr. 69 and they took a drive to quote unquote clear her mind. And she freaked out about a half mile up the highway and refused to get back in the cab. And that's about where we are with that. We have no more information, but getting closer, I think. So when we saw her fleeing the truck at the end of the last episode, it appears as though it may have been trucker boy 69's truck and not the garbage bag or the trash bag killer because we didn't see the evil skeleton on the front of the cab. So So subtle. Yes. So it might have it might have been uh yeah, Trucker Boy 69 that she was actually running away from and not the trash bag killer. 
Or at so least now, that is what he's led us to believe. We have the uh, the Scots taught scene where Archie yes. has to tell the children <laughs> that he recruited prior to getting funding for the team that there is, in fact, no funding for the team. But while he's breaking the news, they hear some cheering from the hallway and decide to investigate. And it's Tony doing that uh, slow motion hallway walk with the new Vixen Squad. Which brings us to our next Riverdale Masterpiece Theater. Tony, since when are the Vixens back? Since I made it a priority in the budget last year. (sighs) There isn't even a sports team for them to cheer for. Get over yourself, Archie. The Vixens are a sports team. And this year... We're going to be competing against other cheer squads. Not even Cheryl managed to do that. What I love about this is that Archie doesn't believe in women's sports, but he is more than happy to ask four different women in this episode to fund the Bulldogs. Yeah. All the men in the show are scrubs, and it's amazing. (laughs) Yep. Oh, and I also love that uh, Tony, while walking in front of the cheer team with her uh pregnant belly in full view is wearing a shirt with hbic uh written on it yeah which cheryl had in uh the first few seasons so she's actually carrying on the um very proud head bitch in charge tradition of riverdale high love it yeah um do you want to break the news to jason about what miss bell has been up to so we see miss bell on the phone uh like marvin barry at the end of Back to the Future, uh, (laughs) calling somebody to inform them of what is going on at the school. And you immediately assume the worst because you see that the school is rallying around and you see her making a call to somebody on the down low. And you think like, oh, is this bitch calling Hiram? And then we actually cut to uh, Cheryl and we see Cheryl on her, you know, rich lady, old fashioned corded telephone uh, taking the call and saying like, oh, thank you, Miss Bell. That's good to know. And um, Valeska, I'll hand it back to you there and uh, you can let Jason know uh, how uh, the scene hands over to Cheryl and what happens there. So Cheryl has discovered that the portrait of JJ could fetch a quarter of a million dollars at auction, oh, shit. which sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, she tells the appraiser that she wants to keep it for one more night because she wants to say a proper goodbye to the painting. Mm, okay. But do you believe her? No. You shouldn't, because we find out what the scam is. The scam is that Cheryl is getting the originals authenticated and then swapping them out for her perfect copies, which is pretty good. Is I mean, if you're going to be in, yeah, she's just going to make a quarter of a million dollars, which will her. pay for like quite a few football teams if Archie hadn't fucked it up by being extremely insensitive. Yeah. yeah, and she's got the inside scoop with Doris, you know? Doris is doing is doing the legwork, you know? Alice and Betty are searching the hot highway, and they found Polly's wallet and shoes, which is very sad. Very dark scene. Yeah. Um, Although, so, had... sorry, I should say, right before that, we do see that Cheryl, having heard the news about the cheer team, uh, is rather upset that she does seem uh i don't know if i don't know if she's sad cheryl's very complicated this season cheryl's always been complicated but she she has a lot of conflicting emotions about the fact that tony is now running the vixens again and has seemingly taken her place but i mean logically what else is 
going to happen with the Vixens? Like, is Cheryl going to go back and become a cheer coach? She can't. She's like busy renovating her house forever. I mean, she can only do one thing. She's busy doing art scams. She doesn't have time for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. She has a very full plate is what I'm saying. That's true. That's true. Uh, So Jughead uh, and Archie are chatting about how there's no money for the Bulldogs. And Jughead mentions asking yet another woman, Tabitha, for money. But he decides that maybe he's going to ask Veronica first. Speaking of Veronica, she and Chad are having the conversation about living separately, and it seems to go well. Yeah, it's it's they have a strange relationship. Yeah, which like I get when you're one of those. I I hesitate to call them a power couple because she's really, you know, the powerful one. He's seemingly, you know, he's whatever. He he's got his job on the trading floor. But uh, he knows how to sing a duet. That's true. He knows how to select a cupcake that will impress a crowd. That's true. You know, I just want to real husband material, I guess. He yes. Knows how to murder somebody. <laughs> in a I mean, I wouldn't bag. go that far. He's not really yeah. husband material. <laughs> yeah. So he they they sort of discuss having like a, a, a two home being a two home couple and commuting and schedule. Yeah. But then Chad mentions a couple times that. Hiram has uh, offered him a job or has told him about, you know, somewhere to go eat in town. And and that really rubs Veronica the wrong way that Chad has been talking to her dad uh, behind her back. He's also offered to give Chad a job as a Sodale property manager, which he has zero experience in. Yes, but that is not surprising because that's how, you know, the rich work. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when... when (laughs) Fucking Ivanka is going to 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 Korea to you know to establish things where it's like yeah no what's what is that what Ivanka you know trained in no it's because you know her dad gave her a job that's uh that's what we're looking at here with uh you know Chad being given a job that he is uh or offered a job I should say that he is not at all qualified for especially as a trader who's not as good as his wife. So it's about this time that Archie comes to the door to beg like a sexist dog. And Veronica's going to give him the money, but then Chad kind of jumps in. He says that as a proud vet, Archie shouldn't be taking handouts. And instead, he should renovate the apartment for them. What? Yes. What the fuck because, does that mean? Well, because he doesn't want to give Archie the money. Yeah, but Veronica had mentioned vet, wanting to renovate. Veronica had mentioned wanting to renovate the apartment. Um that they are staying in the the one at the uh the, the penthouse at the yes. Pembroke. Yes. So uh so Archie agrees and then Chad says awesome sauce. <laughs> I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. I told you not husband material, barely even side piece. Yeah, he clearly does not like Archie at all. Um but I mean also like I guess I'd be a little threatened where it's like, "Oh, this is my 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 wife's you know ex that was like her big high school love of of her life and everything and he just keeps showing up when i'm trying to make my marriage work and then he shows up and asks for fucking 20 grand so chad ends up breaking his uh nice facade after archie leaves and says he's been catering to veronica's every whim he even did karaoke and then he ends up doing this kind of like cycle of abuse thing where he apologizes and says it won't happen again. And you can actually like see him take a moment to put the mask back on. 
which is really good acting and kind of interesting for the storyline. And they decide to go out to dinner. But he says he doesn't want to eat Pops anymore. He wants to go to Mia's, which is what uh, Hiram had recommended. So Veronica yeah. has some thinking to do. He said he couldn't eat uh, any more greasy onion rings and milkshakes. And I'm like, the fuck is wrong with you, buddy? Like, if if my wife was like, let's go out for another diner meal, I'd be like, great. <laughs> that See, that was the awesome. point where I was like, I was like, no, you know, that's the first thing where I actually agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I are not the same. That's fair. I'm an unhealthy man. So to me, that sounded that was that was a dream. I don't I'm I do not like Chadwick at all. You know? I'm not a fan. I think we can say like as a podcast, we are pro Cheryl and anti Chadwick. Yes. Yep. Can we all yeah. agree on that? Cool. Yep. Fuck Chadwick in a stupid face. Okay, so then we go to Pops, speaking of greasy onion rings, and Jughead is researching old man Dreyfus's story and finds that Ramos, Raymond, Arnold, and the others have all died of cancer. Coincidence? And Tabitha decides she's going to help Jughead with his X-Files. So that's sweet. Mm. Might have a little bit of a romance starting to heat up there. We shall see. Uh, Betty shows up at Archie's door and says that Alice is driving her crazy. Archie says he's also feeling crazy and frustrated. So they, uh, what do you think they do, Jason? Hmm. What do they do? Um, hmm. They, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have any ideas what they do. Honestly. Well, they decide to play a nice game of chess, and then she gets a call from Todd at the Academy. What? <laughs> I definitely didn't write this. No, they banged. Oh, okay. Yeah, they banged and then cuddled. That's sweet. It is sweet, yeah. actually. I don't hate this storyline. No, I'm, I'm, you know, for I'm a show... Yeah, it's it's uh, given that Archie comics are all about the fact that Archie never picked between Betty and Veronica and that he was with Veronica for years and then they did this time jump. I'm happy to see him hooking up with Betty because that's the whole point. Like, otherwise, what's the point of doing Archie as a character? The whole interesting thing of Archie is that he's a man torn between two women. So the fact that, you know they're finally exploring that a little bit. I like Great. that the fact I that he's it. a war hero is not the interesting part of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the least interesting part right now. Well, maybe the Mothman will turn out to be Predators and it's going to be Archie versus Predator. Oh Ooh. my god. I want this so bad and I never even knew that I needed it in my life. We can um, dream, Jason. So Chad wakes up to find that Veronica has packed his bags and she tells him that they need to pump the brakes because she needs to find out whether she's a pops girl or a Mia's girl. This is the thing that pushes her over the edge is the fact that he picked Mia's over her fucking pops. She fucking loves her onion rings, dude. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine loving onion rings that much? Well, I do love onion rings that much. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> uh, So we find out Maybe why Tony has decided to do this Vixens thing, because Cheryl is in Tony's office now dressed amazingly and yelling at her for stealing the Vixens. And the way that they t the two of them play the scene, this is foreplay for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I am here for it. So yeah. we cut to the locker room. Archie announces to the new Bulldogs that they have a sponsor now. 
And this is when we find out that Veronica is no longer going by Gecko. She is a Lodge again. Yep. Oh, interesting. This is the straw that broke the camel's back in this fucking Mia's versus... Wow. She's like, you don't like milkshakes? Fuck you. Yeah. I mean, I guess as being on a podcast with the name Milkshakes, I have to support her 100%, you know? Um, what do you think Miss Bell is up to now, Jason? Mm, she's not uh, informing. She's got to be informing Cheryl. Well, Cheryl's there, huh? So, um, hmm. Hmm. Snitching to Hiram. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ding, yep. ding, ding. <laughs> nice. She must be cleaning up with the bribes. Who else is she talking to? How did she get all these, like, snitch jobs? I don't know. Did she post on she Ned's did. list? <laughs> <laughs> snitch for hire? <laughs> I don't so know. She is... seems she seems very much the post a flyer on the bulletin board at the grocery store kind of lady to oh, me. But yeah. you know, maybe maybe I'm just being ageist. Maybe she's you know a fucking computer whiz. Maybe she's called everybody she knows. They're just only showing you those two fucking <laughs> phone calls. She's informed everyone in fucking Riverdale of everything. They have free local calling, and she's calling everybody <laughs> in the phone book. There's only a hundred students at that school. I mean, what else is she doing all day? That's true. So Hiram's pissed about the Bulldogs, and Reggie says it's time to pay Archie a visit. But before we get to that, Alice, Betty, and Kevin decide to go to Swedlow Swamp, which is where they traced Polly's phone. Mm. So we cut to Swedlow Swamp at night, and they're calling her phone over and over, listening for the ring. They split up, and Kevin finds the source of the sound, and I'm sure it's going to be either heartbreaking or completely anticlimactic. But we don't find that out till next episode. Oh, it's a cliffhanger. We we see a human hand sticking out of the the swamp. That's that could have been a badger. <laughs> it was just a twig. Or, or a branch. To... Uh, it could be a branch that just you know grew right. with fingers. But it. I mean, uh... pray for Polly. Hashtag pray for Polly. Or maybe yes. she's under there with a straw, just breathing air underneath the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Possible. Um, so cut to Archie's house, the final scene. Archie hears Jughead yelling about a fire and runs downstairs to see a huge blaze at the front door. And Jughead tells them that there's one on the back porch, too. So they are trapped inside this house, surrounded by a ring of fire. Fade to <laughs> black. That song, does that song play? Uh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> that would have been fucking great. And that's it. That's the episode. What do you think, Jason? Well, Reggie set the fire, huh? I mean, it could have been Reggie. It could have been a Stonewall Stallion. Could have been Hiram. Mm. No, but he sent Reggie to go take care of Archie, right? I feel I mean, like Reggie's now high enough that maybe he has his own little minions. Yeah. It's it's funny because at first, I honestly thought it was just going to be like a flaming bag of shit on Archie's front porch. And then <laughs> it was actually his entire porch was on fire. And I'm like, oh, this isn't very funny. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because it's a show, but it wasn't as funny as I wanted it to be. Well, maybe we find out next episode that it really just was like 50 bags of shit on fire. That oh, would yeah. be hilarious. Hiram's, I mean, just Hiram's been shitting rich. in a bag. <laughs> Hiram's been shitting in bags for weeks just to burn it on Archie's lawn. Get me some more pops. I have work to do. <laughs> Uh, so we have some slam book because I know Jason was requesting it. It's Best name, Minerva Marble, the art appraiser. Worst name, Veronica Gecko. 
Worst Riverdale name is Ned's List. They didn't even try. Um, best dressed is Tony. Um, during the karaoke scene, she is wearing a snake bodysuit from my favorite lingerie shop, Thistle and Spire. Worst dressed is Jughead because sweater vests do not suit him, nor does Stubble. We thank you very much for that, Valesca. That's fantastic. I'm glad um, how about how about some river punches, guys? How many river punches are you going to give this episode? I'm going to. I mean, for I mean, definitely the Mothmen deserve have earned some river punches at least until we're sure that it's you know gonna cop out with the scooby-doo ending um maybe i'll take some river punches back but for now um i think this was a pretty interesting episode to me i'm gonna say four hundred and fifty thousand river punches wow that might be the highest you've ever done maybe i'm not keeping track so i don't know <laughs> neither am i <laughs> alex uh, four hundred fifty thousand and one, obviously, because uh, that grease just put it up, just mm. just really pushed over the top. Listen, this um, is not the price is right. You can't go one dollar. <laughs> sure, I can. Um, oh, I did want to point out though that uh, interestingly enough, Minerva Marble is played by um Adeline Rudolph, who plays or who played, I should say, Agatha Knight on uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So Ooh, this is nice. a yes, this is a crossover of sorts. Um, but you know, because I know that they had wanted to sort of build the shows together at some point, but that won't happen with uh, Sabrina being canceled. But it's good to see people in the universe working uh, on other shows within the within the universe. So that was sort of neat to see. But yeah, no, I thought this episode was uh, a lot of fun. I like that. It, it established the, our, our new mythos for the season, the, the, this whole Mothman thing. I like that it's Mothmen and not just one singular Mothman. Um, I am curious to see how that, the fact that they've tied that in with the highway. So we've got the trash bag killer who we know operates across the country, possibly traveling like a trucker. Or he seemingly is a trucker. So we've got the whole trucker angle. Now we've got the whole Mothman thing. Plus we've got everything going on with Hiram and Sodale and, and Archie. Plus Veronica, everything going on with Chad. Like they are really setting us up for like a lot of stuff this season. And this episode did a good way of, did a good job of really setting a lot of that up or putting a lot of the things in motion. So I'm, I'm really, I actually am really excited to see where this is going. How many uh, river, awesome. river punches for you, Valeska? Um, four hundred fifty-one because I don't believe in zeros. Fair, <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I am very disappointed that with a title like Back to School, there's no Rodney Dangerfield in this episode. Um, so I was hoping for somebody to make a joke about the Triple Lindy, or mm. something to do with that, or Robert Downey Jr. Just anything having to do with that movie, or Sam Kinison, just something fucking sad if you ask me um i will bring up that we do have i think these are two new episode titles Ooh, do tell we have um march 17th so next episode's fire in the sky march 10th right um march 17th um chapter 84 a lock and key lock and key hmm. this is a rachel talalay episode as well she's cool hmm. you know um, Lock and Key, I'm guessing, referencing the graphic novel, yeah? 
I mean, I'd assume so. Right. Um, and then chapter 85, Destroyer. <laughs> Ooh. Destroyer. All right. Okay. Like Isn't that the, is that a Kiss album? No, maybe not. It sounds like it would be. Well, it is a, there was a dis- movie, wasn't there? Called Destroyer as well. Uh, yes, and it is it is a Kiss album. It's the oh, Kiss yeah. album where they're all sort of like jumping on the the cover yeah, with their arms on each other's shoulders. <laughs> I was I was think oh maybe that is what it's referencing, but there is the uh, the uh, Karen Kusama film Destroyer, right? Oh right right right. I mean Back to School, besides the Rodney Dangerfield thing, could also have been they do use the so- that the the song was Back to School from Grease Two. That is the name of the song. So oh, that's fucking bullshit. I want some Rodney Dangerfield, you know? I, I mean, know, the I reference know. worked for Alex, and he is our guest host, so you're going to have That's to shock true. it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted Archie in that, you know, scene where he's not getting the money for the, you know, uh, football team to be like, I don't, I, don't get, I get no respect. I get no respect at all, you know? Um, you know? Any listeners want to animate that for Jason? That would be very <laughs> appreciated. You can uh, tag us on Twitter at mpodcastm. Um, do you guys have anything you want to plug? Um, you know, you can um, absolutely follow me on Twitter if you want to um, be disappointed. Bad Attitude 86 on Twitter. Um, and I have a couple other podcasts, you know, Moments of Madness, um, where I talk about television and social issues, um, and Generation Tenation, where I talk about music and um, with my daughter. So, yeah, that's it. Highly recommend them. Alex? Uh, this time around, no, you know, just follow, follow the podcast, you guys keep, uh, keep the love out there for Riverdale, just, plug in, you know, a plug in love, you know, put a plug in for love. That's right. I mean, you can also keep the neutrality for Riverdale if you want, um, keep the love for milkshakes <laughs> and mimosas for sure. Yes, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks you guys. Bye. Love you all. Goodbye. Bye.